Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the show. On this episode of the podcast, we will be discussing everything Rossville Union. We'll go through the history of the distillery, current news, and our personal favorite aspect of the show, the tasting. With me, as always, is my intrepid and brilliant co-host, Andy Kleshik. Andy, how you doing today? You know, I'm doing pretty good. I mean, we're pretty far into the football season. Oh, Having yeah. fun with that. Enjoying uh, yep. the weather here in Cincinnati, and... You know, trying to hype John up for uh, visiting a special special taco place here in Cincinnati. Yep, we're, I'll be going soon. Don't worry. Or have your uh, have your fantasy football teams fall, falling apart? Or are they doing good? Eh, I'm doing okay. I mean, I like I lost a close one last week that I thought I would end up winning, but just that oh, might have been. I think the like the highest scoring game in our league so far yeah, that I, we've had. Yeah, I saw Ryan Neff dropped like a one seventy three on you or something. Yeah, like one eighty three to oh, one sixty six. Yeah, something like hard, that. hard to hard to win when you're going up against one eighty three. Yeah. But yeah, hey, if, that's that's tough. If I had both uh, Miami running backs, I might have won. But you know, you're <laughs> right. Well, at least you know your teams that can put up lots of points. So that's really what yeah. matters. My teams are doing well too. So yeah, we're, I feel like everything's just kind of football, football right now, other than yeah. uh, we got a baby coming soon. <laughs> but other than that, it's kind of football and might have to turn off the football to focus on that first. Oh no, we'll just mute the football. <laughs> but anyways, uh, we're excited about football. We're excited about the podcast today. So let's get on into it. Uh, Andy, tell the folks out there everything they need to know about Rossville union. Of course. So Rossville union, this is one that I think it's a newer brand to the distillery but it's a distillery that's been around for a while um you know they're part of the list of brands owned by ross and squib which is owned by mgp over in lawrenceburg indiana um and they've been in operation on and off and like in various different names and then purchased by mgp uh in the last decade or so but they've been on and off in operation since uh, 1847 and it was the name comes from uh, you know George Ross and William Squibb uh, founding them in 1847 after some inil- initial distilling operations um, had been set up on the site I forget who by but had been set up on the site 40 years earlier under a different brand name okay. but that brand fell apart and then they set up the distilling operations there gotcha. at, under the Ross and Squibb name um and it was something that, you know, they operated very successfully up until pretty much Prohibition for personal, like, human consumption. Um, and one of their distinctive features early on was that they, um, and I should say this is actually one that is, like I said, with the Ross and Squibb name and MGP. This is an MGP-owned brand. Mm. Um, you, you know, so it is... Like, even though it's its its own name, you know, it is owned by them. Um, So one of their own inherent names that they distill, obviously, themselves, that is not being made and um, sold off to, you know, another company. Gotcha. Like MGP typically does for a lot of other brands. Yeah. Um, But one of their most distinctive initial features um, was that the brand operated with only with a grist mill that ground all their grains um, used for distilling operations early on that was only uh, functioning off of one blind horse. Hmm. So they were only able to um, barrel about, distill and barrel about two barrels worth of whiskey a week Hmm. early on, uh, back in those early 1800s days um, due to that. And then, you know, they ended up, 
for like I said, for personal consumption, production lasted until about 1919 when Prohibition started. Um, just you know, they didn't get one of those six licenses to distill and sell for personal medicinal use right. in uh, America here with that. But it was something that they, even though that happened, they were able to sit there and distill for industrial and commercial use. Um, you know, sit there and sell it for those uses instead of personal consumption gotcha. or medical consumption. Um, so they, you know, they had that struggle. But then in 1921, actually, um, another brand owned by MGP um, and one of the uh, brands that I forget which episode we covered them in, but, um, you know, another famous gangster and brand in the MGP portfolio um, bought them out. George Remus. Yep. Mr. Remus it, himself. Yeah. Cincinnati guy. Yeah. Cincinnati guy. Um, you know, he actually bought them out in 1921 to uh, start his bootlegging um destilling journey <laughs> there uh so you quite, know, the, he, quite the journey yeah so he owned them for a couple years like i said you know we covered that side of his his distilling operations in another um podcast a while back i want to say about a year year and a half back yeah go check out our remus episode yeah um but so, you know, they were slightly kind of revived due to that for personal consumption, even if it was illegal. <laughs> um, and then they sat there and were revived post-prohibition for personal consumption as a Rossville distillery, uh, which I forget what year that was. I want to say around 1941 or 43 around there, sometime around there okay. is when they were revived uh, and they were bought out by Seagram's. To do that and then uh i don't have an exact date on this but the squib distillery was also bought out by the old quacker company um from the fbi because after remus had done all his illegal distilling you know the fbi raided him and did everything and took over control of everything sure so old quacker bought the squib distillery from the fbi hmm. um so they had a little bit of a kind of contentious history there where they were split up a little bit and then still, you know, distilling and doing everything there in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, uh, in order to, you know, provide personal consumption whiskey specific or primarily, if not exclusively whiskey mm. to consumers. And one of their big things that's always been a hallmark since they started was their, um, production of rye whiskeys or high rye whis high rye bourbons here in america because in the early days you know and even during prohibition and post-prohibition um you know bourbon has always been probably the most popular or one of the most popular um alcohols to drink in america for sure it's probably and, that and then scotch right at, at, least, at least as far as whiskeys go yeah, yeah those two yeah um so it was something that, you know, they, they, those were the two that were always the highest ones. And so something for them, because, you know, they're basically right across the river from Kentucky, probably the biggest, single biggest state in the U.S. to distill bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> they said, okay, like we can produce high rye bourbons, but we're going to focus on producing a lot of rye whiskeys because 
throughout American distilling history, rye has kind of gone through some different time periods where it was and wasn't a uh, like favorite grain to use or a favorite whiskey to distill here in America. So that that's been their primary focus of distillation was to always sit there and do rye whiskeys, like I said. Uh, and then in 2011, um, like I said earlier in the podcast, uh, they both the both the Ross and the Squibb distilleries were actually bought out by MGP uh, Midwest Grain Products um, in 2011 as they attempted to who they also operate in um, Lawrenceburg mm. and of course you know famous for not only having their own brands that they do like Rossville Union and Remus um, but ha- they have those on top of doing uh, sourced whiskey you know for a lot of other whiskey brands at least in America that are you know starting up they'll source barrels from MGP gotcha but these were I think some of the first brands um, or Rossville Union was one of the first brands as far as I know to be bought up by MGP when they were trying to get their exclusive brands distilling brands um, started up there to um, go and get everything going hmm. for them and make money outside of just sourcing for other brands. Okay. Um, and it was something, you know, it was primarily that that they were trying to do, but they were also just trying to buy up all the historical sites in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, um, of all the previous distilleries that had operated there in order to, you know, aid in that production effort. Sure. Um, and then, you know, like I said, uh, Rossville Union is one, one we're trying today. Um, I don't know exactly when Rossville Union itself was uh, introduced to the market um, by Ross and Squibb or and or MGP, um, but you know the brand historically, like I said, has about two hundred, you know, one hundred fifty, two hundred years there. Sure, uh, that they've been operating under various different names. I think the first date that maybe Rossville Union was introduced, at least by MGP, as its own specific label was around 2018. Okay. But like I said, they've had historical names there. Um, and all of their stuff is pretty much either going to be a single barrel rye. They all do rye for Rossville Union. Okay. Um, but all of their stuff has been either a single barrel rye or a blended rye whiskey through MGP. Gotcha. And... All their blended ryes use MGP's 95.5 rash mash bill, blended in with their uh, 51% rye mash bill, uh, typically bottled at the youngest at five to six years old. Gotcha. Which one are we trying today? So we are actually trying their uh, Mastercrafted Straight Rye Whiskey. Okay. Um, their cask strength. And this one is actually a single barrel selected by the party source oh, here in yeah. northern Kentucky. You do love your party source uh, single barrels. <laughs> that, I mean, if for nothing else, then they have at least a selection right. of stuff there to find. Yeah. Um, so like I said, this one's a single barrel, a 2022 selection by the party source. Heck yeah. Um, and there's two different primary ones outside of the single barrels that they do sure um just their regular old straight rye whiskeys and then their barrel proof straight rye whiskeys yeah. as far as i can find on top of the single barrels gotcha um like i said this one's a single barrel cask strength yeah. uh, it was bottled for the party source 
um, at 113.2 proof. Andy's a little too fancy to just get the regular straight rye whiskey. You got to get like a single barrel, a special edition. <laughs> well, this, this this is the one, like this was the cheapest one they, they had there. At the, and like the most introductory one that they had there at the party source. Gotcha. Um, I know there's ones we can find here in Ohio, Cincinnati, that, you know, would be a little bit more more introductory yeah. for them. But this was the one at the party source that they had that was the most introductory one. For sure. And, you know, I think they have some maybe other ones that you can maybe find around elsewhere. But like I said, those two kind of just like the straight rye whiskey and they're more like cask strength or barrel proof ones are probably the most common ones you'll be able to find. Nice. I think this one that I got ran me about 30 bucks. Okay. 30, 35 bucks. So, sure. you know, fairly in introductory price in the American market, especially here in Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky. Yeah. That def- you can find. Definitely not bad. Let's give yeah. it a, let's do the tasting. You ready? Yeah. All right. As always, we're going to start with the nose. Oh, it, not, good. A, not a bad nose. I mean, yeah, not super complex, but you're definitely getting those, those rye notes. Yeah. You definitely get Some rye spices. Notes. What, what were you picking up? I mean, for me, I get very stereotypical rye notes. I mean, I definitely get the ethanol gene, mm-hmm. just being that 113 proof right off the nose of it. First yeah. of all. But once you get past that, uh, you know, I definitely get some like, like lemongrass, spice notes, maybe some barrel or oak notes to it. Um, yeah, getting the spices, the oak, the ethanol. Maybe some other like just stereotypical rhinos that you get off of it. I mean, it's not the most complex thing, but you know. For a thirty dollar rye whiskey, right. like I don't know that you expect a lot of complexity. Right. For I think for a thirty dollar rye, I mean it's pr- I, th- I think pretty much as best as good as you could ask for on the nose. Exactly, and I, I mean to come from one of the best, you know, or at least the maybe not best, but one of the largest producers of ryes and bourbons in the U.S. For sure, you know, a very good offering from them to you try. Ready, you ready to give it a taste? Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Pretty good. I mean... Pretty consistent from the the nose to the palate. Yeah, yeah. I'd say the same. I mean, you definitely get that, you know, the ethanol alcohol kick on it. You're getting the Kentucky you that, hug or the Indiana hug. Yeah, Indiana <laughs> Kentucky hug there. Um, I get a lot more of the barrel oak note on the palate and the rice spices there for me. Yeah, I get a lot of the rice spices. That you stereotypically notice. get. Yeah, and I do notice the oak as well. I definitely get like some level, like I said, on the nose, you know, I get some like that lemon or lemongrass. Yeah. You know, something like that. Like it's a, really, I would say it's really, I get that on it for a 113 proof. It's pretty smooth. I mean, that's a yeah. pretty high proofage and it. I would have, if, you, if I had blind taste tested this, I would have guessed a hundred probably. So I'd I think a hundred to yeah. 105, I guess. Yeah, that, so, yeah. so definitely drinking a little, um, a little yeah. cooler than you would, than you would think. Um, yeah, again, not super complex, but again, it's a thirty dollar bottle. Uh, but yeah, I mean, for the price point, it's I, real it's good. One of the yeah, I definitely say. I mean, as an introductory rye whiskey, if you're trying to get somebody into it, I mean, I know like not everybody's going to be initially. If you're trying to get them into bourbon or whiskeys or just alcohol in general, yeah. able to drink at that high of a proof point, you know, fifty six point six proof or fifty six point six ABV, yeah, or rather. 
uh, you know, I know not everybody can start off drinking that high. You got to sure. introduce them, sure. you know, start off with like a Basil Hayden's or Buffalo Trace first. Yeah. But I mean, this is one that like, if you're trying to get them into rye and they're comfortable with that high of a proof point, I'd start them off with it. For and, sure. You know, do it. Yeah. And I always tell people I love rye in the winter, maybe even like in the fall when it's kind of like fall weather, but like a cold winter night. You get a little uh, glass of rye whiskey to warm you yeah. up. Oh, it's, that's that's the way to go. And, Definitely and this helps is, you out a little bit there. Yep, and this is a, when the this, snow's coming in for sure. And this is this one, this Rossville Union yeah. rye is a is a great option. Yeah, I definitely say it's good as you know, good either to just drink straight over ice or in a cocktail. Like for, a, any for way sure. you want to try it and introduce yourself to them at the price point in terms of that yeah. and the way it drinks It'd like probably go great with like an old-fashioned or something like that yeah it would be perfect for it for sure all right folks that's it from us this week uh, make sure you go over to apple podcast spotify or wherever you get your podcasts please subscribe leave a review share and listen to every episode of distilled discussions we do uh, really appreciate your guys' support have a great week pour yourself another whiskey and don't worry we'll be here to drink with you next week